and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Karolina Toth, and today it is my pleasure to welcome Enkit Patel, who is the SVP of Engineering at Foursquare. He has a very impressive track record, which I am not going to go into. I, I will let you introduce yourself as much as you want to. But I am glad all of you could join us, and I am so thankful that you're here with us today, Enkit. Please, introduce yourself, your work, your passions. Thank you so much. And first, thank you so much for giving me this platform to talk with uh, my fellow engineering leaders. I'm the SVP of engineering at Foursquare, uh, where I get to spend a lot of my time working with a very talented set of peers and engineers focused on customers. Uh, Prior to this, I spent 15 years in AWS and Amazon. I had the opportunity to build some of the largest organizations there from leading engineering at Amazon Prime to, to building the business for, for AWS IoT. The best way to describe me, I'm a developer at heart. My current side projects are around making school more engaging for my daughters. Uh, they're five and three, and they are extremely tough customers. I build things around for them, uh, around math, help them solve more things, more challenging problems through storytelling. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, thank you. For me, I'm a, I'm a builder. I like tinkering with things, especially things that bridge the gap between our digital and physical worlds. So it's been really rewarding building small things for my daughters and seeing their eyes light up. And then they move on to the next thing. <laughs> that's That sounds like uh, children, but that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. And with that said, we are going to go dive deep into our topic for today. And we are going to talk about more effective decision making. And um, if that sounds a little vague, we will go into uh, more of the details about decision making and what you have done within this topic um, in your life. So uh, let's start with um, describing your experience. What have been the decision-making challenges for you at uh, these large organizations that you have worked with? So when we think about at the center of everything that we want to do is we want to drive innovation. And so you often get, you know, a lot of CTOs preach how their companies are innovative, but are they innovative over a long period of time? And so for me, one of the, the core things that I've learned through my career is uh, the key to sustainable innovation is to set up your team to accelerate development against your most important priorities for a product and removing the need for executives to, to, to be part of that process. So the, the key is as a company grows, as you scale from 10 to 20 to 100 to 500, how do you effectively drive decision-making down that is centered on the customer? Companies that innovate over the long run need to enable teams to be closer to the customer, learn quickly and prioritize. And if you do this right, teams will be able to work on fewer things more intensely, drive more significant impact. And so 
as I joined Foursquare, one of the key things and learnings earlier on was um, we were structured in a way that made it really hard for individuals or leaders in the team to drive innovation. They required their peers to be in meetings. They required consensus across large sets of people. And often they required executive Wow, that sounds like a tedious job to be innovative. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things where one of the things I appreciated most in my career was the ability to make impact. And that's true for every leader, for every engineer. And part of my job is to remove the barriers for them to be able to move fast and be able to make impact. And so I'm really excited to be able to talk to you today and your, and your followers on How do we effectively do that? How do we drive decision-making down and enable teams to innovate faster? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So when you joined Foursquare, what, uh, can you tell us a bit more about the, the context, the situation that, uh, that you have seen? What was the, the old approach, if we can say that? So as I was saying, the biggest challenge as a company grows bigger is how to enable fast and effective decision-making that's rooted in the customer. At Foursquare, we were experiencing the same organizational challenges that I believe affect many other organizations that suffer over time. We had organically grown over the last few years. We were hiring a ton of people and we developed specialized teams. So to discuss a product feature, you often had to cross VP boundaries. And small projects required lots of cross VP boundary collaboration and coordination between these. So the, the first question that I asked myself is, does the team feel like owners of the product? Do they feel empowered? From there, we focused on structural changes, to how to improve the team, how to help them operate so they're able to make decisions more easy for the product. One of the big things that's required as you're thinking about how to build high performance team is it's critical for teams to feel empowered regardless of their job title or level. Empowered engineers not only think about how to solve the current problem at hand, but they think as owners of the product and customer experience. You'll be surprised. In my experience, the amount of innovation companies leave on the table by not empowering the people that build, maintain, and use your products. One of the key things about empowering your team is if the goals of the team and of the customer are not clear. So if you want to deliver big for your customer, every company needs to focus your efforts on the programs with the highest impact and you want your team to thoroughly understand what we're trying to accomplish for our customers and take ownership of achieving it. Mm -hmm. That sounds like uh, you, you have said a lot of things in, in, that, uh, in that little paragraph. So let's unpack that a little bit because it sounds like you had really a symptom of the of the silos working within the organization showing up in customer care kind of because people weren't interacting with other uh parts of the organization so they they didn't know what the customers really wanted does that sound about right yes it does um in, in my experience i've seen three main symptoms. The first one that I saw was 
everything is important. We lack clarity of understanding what was most important to our customers. When I looked at their roadmap and the features they were launching, the features felt disjointed. Instead of pointing to a few critical customer journeys, I see a lot of lists of features, features that solved one specific problem, or were disconnected from what problem we wanted to solve for the customer. For example, I was reviewing a roadmap and there was a new attribute that was being asked to, to be developed. It was around providing peak hours for a given business. But the actual problem the customer had was determining what hours should I stay open? And if you look at that, the peak hours is only a partial answer. What they really need is how busy they are by hour. So instead of what we can focusing on what we can accomplish or accomplish very quickly, we need to be honest and understand what exactly is the customer problem. The second symptom that I noticed was we were slower to innovate, which it makes it hard to drive change. To get most things done, you needed at least three to four teams to work together. It'd be front-end engineers, back-end engineers, data science, data engineers. In practice, this causes a cascading effect where delays in one team impacts another. Similarly, once you encounter a new or emerging idea, it can be very hard to prioritize. You then have to get executive involvement. That can really slow down innovation in the overall work stream. The solution is to have one organization solely focused on that one customer so that they can hone in and achieving that quickly and effectively. The last one is the lack of connection to the products and customer experience. Engineers often have a strong connection with their immediate team, but as the company grows, they feel more and more disconnected on why their work matters. They feel they're just one of the many teams contributing to Foursquare. They lose that connection to the product and their work starts to feel like projects and not product delivery. Thank you very much. Um, it is um, a very clear list. So this is the context when you arrived at Foursquare. Um, I think you have been there for over a year. Is that right? It, it does feel like a year, but it's only been six months. It's, it's um, been only six months. What have you done to, to overcome these challenges, to, to write these symptoms? The first thing I did when I came on board was I listened to the team. I talked with our stakeholders and our customers. It was focusing on what things did we were doing well, what wasn't working well, what are they happy with, what made them enjoy their jobs less. From these discussions, a few themes emerged. The first was, Engineers felt disconnected from the product as the company grew. More often than not, we had roadmap items that could be done more easily versus what was needed for our customers. The third was our senior leaders were disconnected from the details. They were spread too thin across multiple product lines. I shared these findings with my team. and We spent time discussing the problem we sought to solve and minimize. We brainstormed together. How best could we solve this? First thought, we could invest more in program management or new mechanisms to drive this alignment. 
But all of these seemed like band-aids on a problem versus solving the root cause. So I drafted a proposal and I brought that into conversation with my team. We removed all names and discussed how we could align our teams to move more quickly and prioritize and iterate on solving customer problems. We made changes as we had those discussions, but we all came away as a team saying this was the right set of changes for us to drive better decision-making in the company. And we owed it to our teams to drive that clarity for them. So there's three cornerstones of our new organizational structure. The first is single-threaded owners. We have one single-threaded owner for each line of product. This owner has all or almost all of the teams directly reporting to them. The second was we merged small job discipline teams to align with the products. And then we consolidated ownership of our key technology platforms. Awesome. So now that you have implemented these changes, how is the feedback on the, on the new structure? So as we implemented this new structure, we spent a lot of time sharing this information and bringing in uh, the senior IC and engineering talent to, to be part of uh, this change. We've been four months into this change, and I can tell you from a leadership perspective, from an engineering perspective, we've gotten a lot of great feedback. People on teams feel like they can move faster. Engineering leaders feel like they're empowered to make decisions. And for me, I've been in, involved in far less decision-making meetings. I'm, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm much more able to align teams with goals and they are able to independently work and solve that customer problem without having 25 people in that room. I love that. Thank you. So as you were starting out with this, with this change, um, did you join the organization to implement something like this or, or did the idea come later on as you were seeing the context in which you joined? I came to this conclusion fairly early on when I joined the team, but it was also something that many managers and my employees brought up to me as we had intro conversations. And so part of that process of how do we move from a problem to actually getting buy-in and driving a solution, buy-in wasn't actually hard for me. I explained the problem to them, who was impacted, everyone from the C-suite to the engineering individual contributors felt that this plan was the way that we needed to move forward as Forceware continues to grow and we expand across product and business line. Mm -hmm. So could you share a story in which you, you had buy-in from, from a level of the organization or, or something that happened while you were implementing this change? Sure. So one of the meetings I regularly have with the senior staff ICs, in one of those meetings, I explained what I had heard from others and how I was approaching the next 90 days of my job. I shared this finding to this group. I was thinking about the challenges, I was planning to restructure teams based on products. And literally in that meeting, their eyes brightened up. I remember the exact words. This is exactly what we need. We should have done this a year ago. There 
was general consensus across this group that this made a lot of sense. We talked about the implication, things that we should be mindful of, and it was great. I was actually quite shocked as I felt there would be strong opinions or differing opinions at least. But I was really surprised that every one of the staff I sees was on board and excited to see this change. Mind you, this group is the one that still wrestles with if we should be a mono repo versus a poly repo. So I was really glad that I had the backing and insights and support from our most senior engineering staff at the company. Thank you. So once you decided that this change was gonna happen, how did you prepare your teams and your leaders to be able to actually make the transition? The first thing we started with was ensuring we had a, all had a full understanding of the problem aiming to fix. We shared that information. We had a series of forums, leadership meetings, staff meetings, so they understood the reasoning behind the change. And we seeked input on how this would impact individual teams, leaders, and ICs on there, those teams. The process in itself took around two to three weeks. But by this time, every engineering leader was brought into and helped shape our plan. From there, each leader had a pre-conversation with their teams. And this was shared at a town hall meeting and an email that went out to the entire company. Before I sent out the broader announcement, I got some valuable insight from a relatively junior engineer on the team who I shared our plan with in a one-on-one. -on -one. Her feedback was great. She talked about sharing more of my thought process in the email versus making it more succinct and to the point. So it was important for me to share as much as possible that people could understand how I came to this decision versus only focusing on the implications of the decision. What is the new decision-making process? If you can elaborate a little more on that, I think that would be helpful for our listeners. We have heard that your old decision-making process required a lot of people's approval and it needed um, not much information from the customer. And, uh, and I'm quite interested, how do you, or what actually did you implement? How did you make it, make it more lightweight in a sense? The way we have organized decision-making is we've based teams around products. So for example, we have an advertising business. Within that advertising business, there's a single threaded engineering leader that owns the entire portfolio for advertising. Within that, we have two main products. We have a targeting product, which focuses on how do we enable businesses to target customers based on a certain set of criteria. And then we have an attribution product that focuses on measurement and lift. Each of these products have their own engineering leaders. Each of those products have n number of teams. We have around three teams in each of these areas. Each one of those has an engineering leader associated with it. So part of the decision-making process now is, as new ideas come up, as we have conversations with customers, each individual engineering leader in either targeting or attribution can help look and understand the priority, make trade-offs, and they own the engineering resources for that product. 
if the case happens that we need to prioritize across both products or we're thinking about features that span across multiple products, the engineering leader that owns adver advertising is able to make those choices. In, in this structure, my involvement or executive involvement is very minimized. This team is able to prioritize and make changes as they better understand the customer and learn from the customer. I love that. Thank you. I think a lot of people and uh, organizations should uh, put more effort into listening to their customers. So uh, has this new decision-making process changed any of your hiring requirements, the people you're looking for, or the skills that you watch out for? In short, our hiring requirements haven't changed. And we continue to make focused investments, both technically and culturally. But one change that I'm happy to share is we're now able to hire more junior talent into our engineering organizations. As the teams are now more product focused, and we have a healthy mix of senior engineering talent, we feel that we are able to bring in junior engineering talent to the team and enable them to succeed. I love that. Thank you. So is there any specific way through which you find your, your engineers or are you out there just looking for new engineers like, like every other company? Or if you, if you care to share, if you have a special way to find people who, who match your requirements. So this year we're establishing campus recruiting, both for our interns and full-time. We've hired a new campus recruiting manager, focusing on schools where current employees attend and are motivated to recruit, provided these schools provide a diverse candidate pool. The other thing that we have started since the last year has been focusing on hiring from boot camps. We see a lot of successful employees who've grown their career in the last year at Foursquare have come from areas where they don't come from a, a traditional computer science background. And we've seen really strong performance from them. And so we continue to make investments in hiring people from non-traditional CS backgrounds. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people out there would be happy to hear that uh, they have a chance uh, with Foursquare if they decided to switch careers. Awesome. So if we go back to our original topic, if you could shed some light on the role of the different leadership levels throughout the transformation, I think that would be helpful to know how each level can participate in such a such a change. I mean, what was the role of the, the C-suite? What were the individuals doing? What were the directors doing? What were you doing? Anything like that. Sounds great. At the C-suite level, the CEO of the company was asking us the hard questions. He was probing into the strategy. After we got agreement on what we were trying to do with engineering, he was able to stand up a poll for the overall company. And effectively, we drove this product centricity across the entire company, from business development to all the way to sales. My role was to drive the strategic planning to align. And in typical, I would say, AWS fashion, I wrote a six-pager drawing conclusions from data and distilled a coarse grain plan of how we were going to move 
from our current state to a more product-focused company. Effectively, think of myself was uh, as the ambassador for this. The directors on my team, I think the best way to describe them, they were the heads of state. They played a critical role of mapping products to teams, providing ownership lines, handling ownership amongst themselves, and aligning the right leaders to the right roles. The level under them, the managers, they were the governors. They looked at how we could make this happen. They dove into their current roadmaps and determined cut lines, ownership transfer, and then flushed out a concrete plan. Overall, each level was critically important for us to drive this transformation for not only engineering, but for the company. Thank you. As you have implemented this change, were there any quite challenging parts uh, that you care to share or, or are there any pitfalls that um, our listeners should be aware of before they make a model like yours work for them? When you're building vertical-based teams, either based on product or business line, you'll absolutely stay more connected to your customers and be able to move faster in delivering value. But you also have the opportunity to reinvent the wheel many times. This often becomes a case where a product team does not want to depend on other teams to drive value for their customer. Teams start building their own solutions in order to move faster. When I looked at organizing Foursquare based on product teams, I was aware that we'd likely reinvent the wheel. But what I've seen happen in my career many times is the best way of solving this isn't to create forums for senior ICs to be stewards of the architecture. I've seen this fail many times. A better model to me is to separate out key platform components and use these components as building blocks for the rest of the company. So one of the common pitfalls I've seen in organizational design is you build product-based teams, but then you don't th you think about this and say, well, I don't need any horizontal-based teams. I don't want to create any dependencies. And I think this is the wrong optimization structure. One of the things that uh, as a leader, I think is super important is you need to step back and ask yourself, Whenever you're making an organizational change, what problems are you looking to solve? And what problems will you likely create? And for us, is going through a product uh, engineering uh, organization, it was super important for us to build out horizontal platform teams. And so we focused on two key platforms as we made these changes this year. The first was a core data platform how we process billions of points of data, enrich them, clean them, and process this. This is something that each of our product teams need, but we didn't want every one of these teams to build it. So we invested in a central team whose job is it to serve these different clients across these different product teams. And so as an engineering leader, it's super important to think about how do you provide an organizational structure that allows you to solve the problems at hand. And so for us, we found real value in not only having vertical-based teams, but having horizontal platforms that enable us to move faster for each of these vertical-based teams. I love that. If you could share any 
stories about how how you managed to do that or or anything specific that that we can also maybe think about in our own terms at our own companies that would be helpful one of the things that i've learned a lot in my career is learning from things that have not gone as well and so i want to share at least two other ways that i've seen either ctos try to structure organizations that i've seen fail the first one is you centralize functionality by job function. This starts with a very noble intention. You want to build excellence in an area so that everyone who does a certain type of job can build their career and eventually become a mentor in the space for others. In the beginning, when you make this change, things start to go well. People have muscle memory of the problem errors in domains that they've worked on. Soon after, they lose affinity to improve and address the concerns of the customer. They lose that direct leadership connection on goals, priorities, and meetings, and soon this dissolves into a lack of awareness of what is needed now. They're focusing too much on reusability, and ultimately, as they do this, your product stagnates. And there's effectively morale loss amongst the specialized teams. The second one is what I call tiger teams. You create a temporary team to solve a problem and you organize around it. And what this allows uh, these teams to do is to be agile and drive results. This concept sounds great initially, and it does work, at least in the short to midterm. And I will tell you, every executive is happy in the beginning. They've gotten more things done. This team is single-threaded on solving this problem. But it ultimately can lead to a lot of band-aids and duct tape since there's no long-term ownership. Technical debt builds up. Innovation effectively slows down because everything gets more expensive to do. Problems that could be solved much simpler or better are now disjoint. Your architecture dwindles away and the learnings and career growth slows down because everyone on these teams is moving from project to project. And what you'll get is attrition will spike. Now you've gone down a path that is very hard to reboot. And what effectively happens when companies go down these tiger teams is these entire systems at some point need to be rebuilt. And when you're rebuilding systems, you aren't delivering for customers. And so this can be the demise of an entire product line or company once they start focusing on delivering through these tiger teams. Thank you very much. I think we can all take something away from that. We have talked a lot today about um, making decisions and making structures for making decisions and communicating those uh, decision-making structures and and how we have come to our conclusions. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add to our listeners? One of the big things that I've been trying to drive in every organization that I've been in is the concept of a and I think that's super important. Builders 
are feel empowered. They look at not only the current problem, but they're stewards of the product and customer experience. One of the things that I think every leader should think about are the people on my team, do they feel like builders or do they feel like they get requirements and they do the job that's currently can? See this symptom where people are not thinking long-term or not thinking big. Ask yourself, do I, am I instilling a culture of builders within my teams? If you're not, it's a great opportunity to work with your teams and ICs and ask the question, what do we need to do to build the concept of builders within our organization? I love that. Can you give us a tip as to what we should do to, to, to bring out the builders in people? I think the biggest part of driving a culture of builders is understanding the customer problems and what are the things that customers need? Often at times as a company grows, you have product managers who are now the owners of the customer. I think it's super important to always think about how do I include and distill that information across your engineering teams. One of the big things that I've seen is the people who are building the software, the engineers on your team, if they understand the customer well, either through their direct product managers or actually being involved in the customer conversations, their ability to make impact, their ability to look at problems and say, there's a better way of doing this grows exponentially. So one of the biggest things is ask your engineering teams, how connected are they to the customer? If they feel they're disconnected, they benefit from driving decision-making down by restructuring your teams based on product, or by also thinking through, how do I involve my cut, my engineers in customer conversations? I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think um, there is a lot of great content in there to unpack for all of our listeners. Uh, if any of us would like to follow you or your work, where could they do that? I think the best way is to go onto the foursquare.com website. There's a, a, a set of articles that I've written there uh, that highlight some of the transformations that we're doing within Foursquare. Um, I also have my own website. If you Google for Ankit Patel, the builder, you'll see a bunch of articles that I've written on engineering and engineering leadership. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for joining us today. Dearest listeners and watchers, our guest today was Ankit Patel, Senior Vice President of Engineering from Foursquare. And we talked a little bit about making decision-making more effective and bringing it closer to what customers actually need. Ankit, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. And thank you for having the time to speak with you and your, your audience. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.